You are listening to another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace, a service of the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. I'm your host, Dave Thompson. And since you're listening, you might as well know that you're about to hear us talk about something which has to be healthy, positive, and or proactive in the cleaning industry today. In 2018, the Academy launched the Rockstar series of motivational sessions in addition to our tactical classes, which are instructed weekly around the U.S. Now, industry professionals are here to talk share their thoughts and let you know what's on their mind. So turn up the sound and let's get talking. Well, uh, today we are back here with another podcast or YouTube video of Beyond Clean with Ace. Uh, As you know, we have all of these channels that we talk about uh, uh, different things every week or well, maybe it's not every week, every month. You know what? It's just whenever we get somebody on the other line. And today, well, I'm going to welcome back a, a, a guest that's been with me several times, and I guess we're going to do this on a regular basis, Aaron, and you're in Denver this, this week. I am, and I'm looking forward to doing it on a regular basis, Dave, so it's good to be back with you. Well, I think if you've been watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, watching one of the YouTube videos, uh, I, I, there's a different background behind me today. I think the last time we together, uh, it was a swimming pool. I think it was. I believe we were at uh, the Disney Polynesian Resort. Uh-huh. Well, uh, and if you want to know why we had a swimming pool behind me, uh, Aaron was on vacation. I was working, and I, I wrestled him down and got him to talk about his new book. And you know what was interesting of that podcast? I had a person come up to me and say, you know what? I didn't realize that I learned everything before kindergarten. <laughs> Well, that's not quite true, but we can talk about that some if you'd like. <laughs> well, but I mean, you know, the thing about it is, is whenever you talk and we do this talking, uh, Aaron, there's always somebody that has a different perception. So before we get too far into this, uh, tell everybody that may be uh, listening for the first time who you are and what you do, Aaron. All right. I'm a professor of management at Bradley University. That's my day job. And then my other job is uh, working with CEOs and, and corporations, primarily in the area of strategic planning and in executive development. So spend a lot of time thinking about how to get people and organizations to be more effective. How to get people to be more effective. Now, that is a challenge. Yes. That's why you not, will never be a day without a job, right? Uh, not until the point where I retire, and then I'm gonna—I'm not gonna do this anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, all right. So let's—both uh, of you and I are showing the gray facial hair. So let's talk about how close yeah, we are to that. Thanks. Thank you for reminding me. No, okay. Well, I just—hey, I mean, somebody else is gonna remind me, so I thought we might as well do it together. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's always somebody who's gonna say something about it. You know, so hey, um, I'm going with—I'm going with distinguished. This makes me look distinguished, Dave. I didn't say anything about how it made you look. I wasn't All right. there. All right. All right. So the listeners didn't, didn't come on to listen to us talk about our facial hair today. <laughs> um, you know, I think that there's, there's a number of things that have been on my mind this week. Uh, we just got through with a three-day uh, trade show here in uh, Orlando called the, the uh, well, we call it FSPMA, uh, the Florida uh, School Tank Managers Association. It's interesting when you go to these conferences, a lot of different things come out. And since our last conversation, the, the information has been 
or the, I say the conversation has been about the gap of understanding in the workplace. And I mm -hmm. thought it was interesting because this is kind of what you and I had talked about and, and led up to. And as right. we've been going around the, the nation with the Rockstar program this year, uh, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but this week was the anniversary or if you will, the birth date of the Rockstar program one year ago today, this week. Oh, no kidding. Really? Yeah. And where was that first launch? Right here in, in oh. uh, Orlando at the FSPMA meeting. And <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, and it was, it was, it was kind of a, I, I don't know, a time for reflection. I guess that's what you would say. Yeah. An anniversary like that is an important one, but congratulations. It's been a heck of a program for that year. You know, the thing about it is you put things together like this and, you know, we spent a year putting it together. We've now been a year on the road with it. And what is interesting is there are a number of different generations that come to the meetings for the Rockstar program. And, and a sure. couple of things we want to talk about today, folks, is, you know, the four generations that are in the workplace and how we always get them to work together. And, and, and back to the kindergarten thing, do you want to kind of clear that up so that the listeners that may have not heard last podcast can understand where we're going? Sure. Um, the, the basic idea is that as human beings, so much development occurs between the ages of two to five that um, basically 80 to 90% of our learning uh, is probably in by about the time we've hit uh, five years old. Now, what we're doing is we're going broad, but we're going narrow. So we have a broad range of exposure to a lot of things in life, but it's pretty shallow. And what we've then wind up doing for most of the rest of our life is we pick the areas that are important to us, and then we'll go deep in those areas. So for some people, it's golf. For some people, it's football. For some people, it's work. You name it. We'll go deep in those areas. But then when we get outside of those areas where we've got particular interest or expertise, we pretty much go back to that basic five-year-old mind. By the way, in all fairness, though, um, when we talk about things like uh, cleanliness, um, maintenance, that type of thing, as five-year-olds, we'd already learned that, you know, if we pick up after ourselves and we keep our room neat, that's probably a good idea. And I've told people before, I said, you realize how much of the, the global pollution problem we could solve if everybody just clean up after themselves. Um, so it, it's, in, in a sense, it is that simple. But once you get into it and you start going deep, that's where the complexity starts. So then why is it that we don't go back to that five-year-old mentality of just picking up after ourselves? You know, I, I mean, I hear from custodians all the time that are saying, if they would just pick up after themselves and make my job easier, I could do more and provide more. Why do we not do that then? Um, life gets in the way and uh, our development processes get in the way. So, you know, you and I say that and probably when they were in, when you and I were in preschool or kindergarten, we had teachers who told us that. Well, who's telling kids that today? Uh, it's not a message that normally gets communicated or more importantly, it's not a behavior that gets reinforced. You know, it's one thing to watch Big Bird on Sesame Street say, you know, clean up your toys. But it's another thing to actually have to go into your home and do that. If we're not forced to do the behavior, then, okay, yeah, we heard Big Bird say it, but it's not relevant to our experience. 
If it's not relevant to our experience, it goes right out of the mind. Now, you know, as you were saying that, Aaron, I was just thinking about my session with some supervisors in the Rockstar Leader Program yesterday. And I gave them a scenario of dealing with a certain personality trait that we deal with uh, in supervision. And it was kind of, how do you deal with the person, the custodian, that doesn't want to talk with a teacher, or is afraid to talk with a teacher because the room is messed up? And what all of the supervisors went to was taking care of the issue of the room being messed up and addressing the room being messed up. And I said, you're missing the, the whole reason that we're talking here. We're talking about how do you deal with the attitude and the issue that the custodian can't verbalize, can't talk. I think what you're talking here is many times what we do now is we just feel like we'll take care of the issue and the real issue is dealing with the person, not the circumstance. Yeah. If you think about it, it's behavioral change is what we're really asking for. We're asking the teacher in this case, right? We're going to ask that teacher to uh, separate from their old ways of behaving. We talked about this last time, too, in terms of how we develop. We're going to ask her to separate or him to sep you got to separate from your old ways of doing things, which is the kids come in. Okay, I got this lesson program. I got to get through this lesson program in 45 minutes. All right, now what we want you to do is we want you to add this behavior on. Before the kids leave the classroom, we want you to say to them, hey, would you please pick up your stuff, put it in your desks, whatever it happens to be. Um, we don't do that naturally. You know, the teacher's got their mindset on, I got to get through this, 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 whatever I'm teaching today. And that's not, that's not top of mind. So now you've got to either recognize, and what's the old thing? We have to... How many times do you have to do a behavior before it becomes routine? Is it 14 or 21 or something like that? Well, um, I know it's over 10. Yeah. You, you, so now you're asking that custodian to go in and say, hey, you know, if you, if you asked your students to do this, it might make things a little easier. Now, oftentimes, uh, and I'm, this is why I'm so glad you've done the Rockstar program, right? We forget the people who make our space habitable, make our space productive, make our right. space healthy right? Uh, and we don't see it as a collaborative effort, where in order for me to do my job, uh, and I'll talk as a university professor, right? In order for me to do my job, when I walk into that room, things got to be functional, okay? The, the desks have to be clean. The environment has to be healthy. Uh, the, the technology has to work. Um, and, and we get to a point where we just sort of take it for granted, because, well, you know, that's the way it is. That, that's but just that's, the way it always. That's just the way yeah. it always is, and you really don't think much about it. So, you as a professor on that side of it, how much do you really actually think about what it took to get it that way, so that you could do your job effectively and the students could learn? Right. You know the old um, "we make our spaces and then our spaces make us" type of thing. Okay. Um, so we're in a situation right now this semester where um, our building's not quite ready yet from a construction standpoint. We're in temporary quarters. Oh, that's so going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I'm, I'm teaching in a room in our library. And I can tell you from a teaching standpoint that we're doing okay, but it's not going to be the same level of performance I'm going to be able to get once we're in our designated space. 
Well, you're, you, you also, I can already, already tell by just the way that you're slowing down the way that you're talking and your body language to me right now is that you don't feel like you're performing well either. No, because I'm, I'm off, right? I, I, I don't know where to stand. I don't know where to move. I don't know how to position myself in order to be able to communicate with them. The, the space is really not set up for classroom education. Uh, and that's the other part that I think teachers got to begin to realize is when you've got junk floating around on the floors, on the desks, on the countertops, whatever it happens to be, it's not set up for education. It, it, we can't do our job. Uh, but, you know, you tell me, I mean, I can, I can probably tell you, but you tell me from our, from our college of education standpoint, right? Ask me how many courses our teachers take in physical management of their classroom space. And I'll tell you right now, the, the answer is none. Yeah, I, w I was just about ready to go that big fat zero. And this yeah. is the same thing that we're talking about in the Rockstar program is nobody has actually taught us how to deal with the personalities of the people that we supervise or manage. We have always been dealing with the issue of the, the, of the, of the practice, the tactical part, not the mental part, the people part. And that was right. what was so fun with this program and you and I have talked about, because this is, and what, as you do there, it's managing the, the thought process, the mentality, right. before you get to the tactical. Right. You know, we're, I mean, and let's be honest, we're all guilty of this, though, too, right? We sort of take it for granted that when I come into my office in the morning or when I go into that classroom, things are going to be okay. Yeah. And the only time, it, it's like, uh, I remember a number of years ago, I was working with a company that did heating and air conditioning. And I remember their uh, COO talking to me and he said, you know, the problem with our business is our business is air. And the only time you notice air is when it's not right. Right. When it's Correct. too hot. Absolutely. It's either too hot, it's too cold, or it smells. Other than that, we don't pay any attention to air. And unfortunately, I think we get that way with the spaces that we're involved in. So we wind up walking in and we just assume it's going to be that way. And now I'm in this goofy situation where this isn't, a normal classroom, right? What, <laughs> what's, what's going on here? Uh, and, and trying to accommodate. And I'm beginning to realize that, you know, we take a lot of this stuff for granted. And that's, that's sort of the first challenge is, is awareness. If we're Absolutely. not aware of it, okay, then it can't impact our behavior. So the first thing is to make the teachers, in this case, aware that, you know, the environment does affect the way you learn. But the problem is, Oftentimes the custodian does that. They're going to look at them like, who are you? I'm a teacher. I, I, got, I got a degree in elementary and secondary education. I know, I know how to teach. Who are you to tell me that? So, in, for instance, in the case you're specifically talking about, I'm sorry, folks, that's an end run. You go to the principal, you go to the superintendent, and you say, are you aware that you may be having an issue here with student learning because of the environment they're in? Now, now, if I can get the superintendent to pay attention and come around and say, hey, folks, we really got to start thinking about our classrooms because that's starting to impact the way our, our students learn. It's going to impact their test scores. That's going to impact how much money we're going to get from the state. Ultimately, it comes down to dollars, right? No. Uh, if, if, if the custodian can begin to make that argument and say, do you know that? Then let the principal come around. That may be a more effective approach. And what we were talking about in this particular instance um, was dealing with the person that doesn't have any self-esteem. 
doesn't feel that they can talk to anybody, doesn't feel that they have anything of value. And so we were talking about the challenge of the frontline custodian right. actually talking with the teacher, as you said, that has all the credentials, and they feel that this person, they have nothing of value to talk with them about, but yet they're struggling to get the room clean so the teacher can do the job that they're there to do. Right. And so what we were talking about is how do we as supervisors deal with the, the issue of the communication of the frontline custodian to the teacher without having to go to the big picture of, as you said, the principal, the superintendent, and getting everybody else involved. And so, you know, many times our supervision at this level is simply getting somebody to feel comfortable that they have something of value and recognizing, yeah. as you said, that there is a series of things so that the expectations can be met. And so we were working through this practice with them yesterday. And whenever you said that a little bit ago, it was, it was like it all came back. Uh, this is the challenge of management, correct? Is dealing with yes. the people that we manage. Yes. You know, uh, yeah, when I talk to, and I still teach that class when we do uh, management theory uh, here at Bradley, the first thing I tell them is, well, what is management? And the best definition I've ever heard, and the scary thing is this goes back to 1920, <laughs> and a woman by the, yeah, and a woman by the name of Mary Parker Follett, who said, well, management is the art of getting things done through people. Now, you do a, such a superb job in your program of getting them to understand it's not just about cleaning. It's about creating an environment, right? A yeah. healthy, safe, productive environment for people to carry out whatever, you know, the task is at hand. Okay, so what do we need to get done? We need to have students learn. Students can't learn if the environment isn't conducive to effective learning. Okay, we got that. How do I then get that message across in a way that we all were together on this? And typically when we talk about it, it's this getting things done part. It's okay, start with a question. What is it that you're, what are your biggest challenges in trying to get your students to, well, they're distracted. Well, the students have got too much, right? You start with that. Start with the teacher's problems, with the challenges that they're facing. And then you've got to come in through the back door and say, well, you know, one of the reasons that the students may sort of be unruly is there's no, there's no discipline. And I can tell you that there's no discipline because look at the floor. And, 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 and this is what you're saying. This is management 101 that many people that are in management have never been taught. Right. You connect with what the recipient wants, not with what you want. You want them to tidy up the room because you can do your job better. How is that relevant to the teacher? But if I connect with the teacher first and say, well, tell me what, just help me out. What is it you're trying to get done in here, right? What would, what do you think, what, what could I do to make you more effective in the classroom? Okay, so By now you're going into sales management too. And I don't know if anybody picked this up that's listening right now, but we were really going right into what makes a, success, a successful sales call as well. Uh, because this is exactly what you do. You look at what the needs are of, of the client, what are the needs of the situation, and how you can fit it. I had yesterday a, a, a building service contractor call up and said, you know what, I want you to help us with a training outline 
for cleaning kitchens. What do you need to know from us in order to do that? And I said, first, two things. What are the expectations of the client? And are you meeting those expectations currently? Right. But, right. but what, exactly what you said. What is the expectations out there? What, not my needs, not what I need. I need to first find that out. And this is what management sales, this is what makes all of it go around. Right. You, you said it earlier, I think. Um, you know, you, you want to go to the issue. You know, there's, there's books, there's shoes, there's, there's pencils on the floor. You want to go to the issue. It's not the issue that's important here, right? You got to change the behavior. How do I change the behavior? Behavioral change has to come through the mind. How do I change the behavior through the mind? I got to connect at a mind-to-mind -mind level. Now, if I come in and I tell you, hey, your, your room looks like crap and here's why, okay, fine. I get it, okay? But if I come in and I say, help me out for just a second. By the way, great technique on the lead-in when you're doing this because one nice thing about human beings, when somebody asks us for help, we tend to want to give it. Uh -huh. So if you come in and you say, hey, can you help me out with something? I'm trying to understand what I could do to make this room a more effective environment for you to be able to teach in. Now, now what I've done is I've opened them up. You see it? Now they're, okay, now, now I've got them looking at the room saying, well, okay, I, I get, and now once they start looking at the room, well, you know, you, you, you know, the floors are clean. You come in, you do a good job with the desktops. I know, but you know, there's always this, now I've got you. Now there's all, ah. but there's always this stuff that I see laying around that we've got to try, you know, I got to try to work around. Oh, well, I can take care of that. I can, you know, I can just have the kids put that away before they leave at the end of the day. Bingo. Right. End and that's story. where I was trying to get everybody to go yesterday, Aaron, exactly where you went right there was how do I get them to see it from my viewpoint? But first I have to see it from their viewpoint before right. they're going to come to my viewpoint. You got it. It's exactly. Spot on, Dave. I think you had led into this at our last uh, podcast was, you know, is motivating people to understand. And there was several words that you used that we don't use enough of. And you said a couple of them, please. And thank you. Yep. And by the way, but the third one, and I tell people this all the time, single most important word in management, please. Second most, two most important words in management. Thank you. Three most important words in management. I need help. So notice what I'm doing here, right? I come in and I say, hey, you know, can you help me out here? I really want to create a great learning environment for you. Uh, and I need to know what you need from me to be able to do that. Now I've, now, I'm coming in as the, and by the way, I've solved any problems about who are you type of thing because I've already come in as the subservient person. I'm coming in beneath because I need help. Mm -hmm. I need your help. I am appealing to you. So now you are in the superior position. I am in the inferior position. It's all and good. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, no. And, and this is, and this is what the problem that everybody has is they don't feel that they can do that. But this is, this is just people being people. Absolutely. Because again, keep in mind, I mean, even for heaven's sakes, even New Yorkers, right? If you're <laughs> for all the bad, for all the bad rap they get, I tell people all the time, I've walked down the streets in New York and I'll look at some, Hey, can you help me out here? All right. What do you need? They may not be thrilled about it, but they're going to help you because we're human beings. We want to help. Okay. So I get you on my side. Here's what I need. Now I can begin to say, 
oh, well, if that's what you want, you know, I could do that if I had this. Oh, I can get, I can get the kids to do that, no problem. Well, okay, but, but now, by the way, the other neat thing about that, now it's your idea. Okay. Now it's not my idea, right? It's not the custodian. The custodian told me they needed me to do this. Now it's, yeah, you know, I came up with this idea that this would be better. And, and the custodian agreed with me and said, yeah, that would really help. Cool. Now I'm, I feel like a winner. And in the meantime, from the custodian standpoint, management, the art of getting things done through people, I've gotten what I, I've gotten done what I needed to get done. And the whole thing is, as you continued to say, Aaron, is people dealing with people and understanding and management how we do that. And it isn't something that just rolls off your back. It's not just something you naturally do. It's, oh, no. It, no. Is, it is a learned skill. It is a practiced skill. And it is one that until we quit doing this job, we will right. be perfecting because it's never I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way. I always feel that I can always improve what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. Manage, management is a constant work in progress. It's a constant process of development. Nobody ever really uh, masters the management role. I mean, in one of our exec programs that we do, we talk about that. But one of the points we make flat out is you'll, you'll, you'll never master it. it. It's a relative scale. Some people are going to be better at it than others. But if you say, does anybody ever absolutely nail it and get it right? No. Okay. No, so now, if, if I remember right, you're in Denver talking with young entrepreneurs. Yes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about when you're talking about this, the, the, we're, we're dealing with in the custodial industry about four various different generations, distinctive generations. Mm -hmm. These learning skills of how to work with people are different. You're working with young entrepreneurs, which probably are not going about this the same way that I, as a baby boomer, went about it. No, absolutely not. Um, most of these, this particular cohort, most of them are Generation X. Um, I've got a couple of millennials. And then, of course, now I'm even starting to teach. We're starting to see the first of the iGen or Generation Z folks coming in. Um, very different approaches, right, in how we learn and how we acquire information and how we use information. Not saying one's bad or one's worse, by the way. It's just no. different, no. right? So now, for instance, when I'm talking to these folks, um, if I say to them, well, you know, you can look this up and you can, and they will. I mean, they're, they're in that mode of, okay, if you told me to, to look it up or check it out, well, I guess I better look it up or check it out. And they don't wait until no. you're done talking to them. They're they, doing okay. it right there when you say so. They got the phone, exactly. they're doing it right now. It's in real time. And, uh, you know, it's a funny thing is I've told people, I said, you know, from, a, from an educator's standpoint, I've learned to use that because there will be times when I may be talking about something in class and I, I've, I've forgotten a detail or I've forgotten a fact. And I'll just say to the class, hey, somebody look up and find out when that happened. And, Absolutely. And, yeah, Embrace the technology. Bring it into and be a part of. This is what makes it real. Exactly. Uh, but that's, that's a learned thing, too. Right. Because we want to do it the way we've always done it. And unless I can show you that it's more effective to change your approach, you're going to stay in those old routines and those old habits. We talked about that a little bit last time. Those those old root, those old systems, uh, because it's got a comfort factor. And when you asked me now to to do something 
totally different from what I'm used to, I'm uncomfortable. And we don't like being uncomfortable as human beings. Don't ever underestimate how powerful that drive is. Okay, so folks, as you're watching or listening, this morning, we're in two different areas of the United States. <laughs> and Aaron calls me up and goes, Dave, how do I connect with you? And I said, just get on your cell phone and go to zoom.us and you can do this from your phone. You might notice if you're watching the video, it's jumping around a little bit. You're a little bit out of your comfort zone with what we're doing today, but see, you didn't back away from the challenge. You accepted it, you jumped into it, and we're doing it. Oh yeah, this is, to me, that's, if there's one thing I could get across, okay, uh, and I try this even with my students, it's find something different to do every day. Make yourself uncomfortable. Because what you learn over time is how to tolerate being uncomfortable. And the funny thing about life, you know, life is going to throw at you a whole bunch of situations that you're not prepared for. You're going to be uncomfortable. you got no choice, all right? You're going Absolutely. to be uncomfortable in life. So if you keep falling back to your comfort zone, you wind up frustrating people because you develop these habitual ways of responding that are not effective, but it makes me feel good. So yeah, my, my, even to these entrepreneurs that you mentioned that we're going to be talking to later this afternoon, yeah, find something every day that makes you uncomfortable. Drive to work and take a different route. So now how many now other that sounds, baby... that sounds stupid, right? I... But it's drive, drive to work and take a different route. Okay, so because I got have you ever? And now have you ever had this one? You ever driven to work, got there, and don't remember how you got there? Uh, do I want to own up to that? Because, right? Because your mind is on, okay, so when I get there today, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And I show up at the office and I know I got here and I know I drove on the public roads and I didn't have an accident, so it's all good. But, geez, was that light red or green when I went by there? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm, my brain's kind of on autopilot, right? Correct. So Correct. you say, okay, I'm going to drive to work today and I'm going to take a different route. Okay, now I got to think about it. Okay, right? so Dutch Owens here. He's the owner oh, yeah. of, of Jim Classic. Have you ever, you, you know the classic that he uses, right? And yep. so if you're listening to the podcast, folks, sometimes you'll have to get with either Aaron or I and find out the classic Dutch Owens change your morning routine. We're not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to contact <laughs> one of us to find out. Yeah. But it's a classic. It is. It's, and, and by the way, I've done it and he's right. It is, absolutely. So I want to go back to, uh, before we end our podcast today, when you're talking about the four different generations, yep. there's not very many baby boomers, which you and I fall into, that are doing what you and I are doing this morning. No. In our industry. <laughs> in any industry. Well, okay, I, I'll, I'll let you go there. So the thing is, is we are both a little out of our comfort zone. Now, I've been doing this for three years now, working towards this. And I'm feeling fairly comfortable, but yet mm -hmm. you see the background behind me. And so just to show you folks what we're talking about is now as I am out, this was on my morning bicycle ride through downtown Winter Garden. And I took a break from riding the bike, getting my breath. And I see this beautiful scenery. And I say, you know what? I can take a picture of this and use this <laughs> as a positive backdrop for when I do, and you even commented on it a minute ago when we got on, and I yeah. said it was, it was to help me change the mindset that I was in to a better mindset than whenever I arrived at work. 
And, right. and, and so now this is becoming a part of my everyday routine, which is just being a natural thing now. But before I got into this, it wasn't. No, no. And that's the problem each and every one of us has, right? Um, we've spent a lifetime, however many years that is for anyone, we spent our lifetime developing certain routines because they work. And that's the thing we got to keep in mind. It works or we wouldn't do it. Human beings right. don't intentionally get up in the morning and try to be stupid, right? They do it because this works. It's effective, right? Now, is it as effective as it could be? Maybe not. But you know what? It's working for me. Why should I change? And so, so in the absence of any motivation to do that, we fall right back into our routines. So as you're working with the Jennifer generations, Aaron, yeah. what do you find as the largest challenge from an instructor's viewpoint when you're trying to motivate all of these different generations? Now, I, I assume, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, that whenever you're mm -hmm. teaching at Bradley versus what you're doing today, it's right. going to be different generations. Uh, sure. Yeah. Like I said, this group is mostly generation X people, um, Bradley students right now. I'm their seniors are at the tail end of the, we're at the tail end of the millennial generation, just starting to transfer over to gen generation Z here. Um, yeah, it's, it, there are differences. Um, but at the end of the day, the human mind is still the same. So it's a matter of learning that they've learned different routines than the ones that I have. Uh, I got to learn their routines because once I get their routines down, uh, I can figure out how to come in and plug into their routines. They're doing them for a reason, right? They're doing that for a reason. Right. So if I can understand the reason behind it, now I can begin to say, well, have you ever thought about it? And now we can begin to change the routine. That's number one. Number two, you've got to connect at an emotional level. And that's the big thing we miss, right? We think that we can just simply argue on the basis of logic and facts and data. Human brain doesn't operate that way. Human brain operates off of stories. It operates off of pictures. It operates off of emotions. So, for instance, when, I, like when you and I were just talking a few minutes ago about that custodian approaching the teacher, I'm trying to make an emotional connection with the teacher. Correct. When I say, can you help me, I'm trying to create an emotional bond here, all right, that, hey, I, I need help. That's, I'm going right past the logic. I'm going right past the intellect. I'm going right to the heart of the emotion. And I'm saying, oh, my gosh, I've got a human being who needs help here. What do you need? Right. That's an emotional connection that I'm trying to create. If I can get into the mind through the emotions, then I can work out to the logic. I, I had a guy, I was reading a piece, and I believe this. He said, we make 90% of our decisions with our emotions and then use the rational part of our brain to justify it. I'm never heard I think that he's one, right. but I do like that. I do like that. And you know what? I have to, I, I have to agree with you. Yeah, well, you know, my, my illustrations, I always tell people, I said, think about it. Arguably, three of the biggest decisions you will make in your life, you make for emotional reasons. What will I do? Where will I live? Who will I marry? Those are all emotional decisions. Nobody makes those for logical reasons. Well, no, folks, nobody, creates a, nobody creates a spreadsheet and does a <laughs> survey and, you know, lists, you know, pros and cons of, you know, all right, I'm dating five people right now. Here's the characteristics and here, you know, who do I want to marry? By the way, if you're in a relationship like that, get out because it's not going anywhere good. From the, from, from the words of Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what, Aaron, you and I could sit here 
uh, and we could talk for hours, but uh, I, don't could. Think that, I don't think that people listening today really want to continue for that many hours with us. So uh, I have to say thank you, Aaron, for joining in and uh, doing this. You're in Denver. We're in uh, Orlando. So see, it just proves, folks, that no matter what's going on in your world, if you schedule, you have a commitment, and you want to do something right, there's technology out here, and we can do that. Hopefully, you've learned something today as you listen. Aaron, I always ask you this. Do you have a parting thought before we leave for today? Keep in mind that last part of our conversation, right? We make 90% of our decisions with the emotional part of our brain, and then we use the rational part to justify it. We've got to learn to start connecting with one another at that emotional level. Uh, and technology is an enabler, uh, but at the end of the day, the technology cannot fully capture the essence of the emotional bond. You and I can, can work like this, Dave, because we've got an emotional connection. So the technology is a great enabler. For the people that are out there that are having to live this every day, you've got to make the effort to create that emotional connection because you can't assume the other person's going to do it for you. Folks, you've been listening to Aaron. I can never say it right. I always want to Butchko is fine. Butchko. There you go. Got it You're right. man. And uh, he's a professor over at Bradley University. Uh, we've been... Uh, We've had the great opportunity to be connected through the Triple S program. And uh, if you've been on one of our podcasts or YouTubes before, you know that the really the thing that kind of connected us to start with was a little program called Kahoot. If you want <laughs> engagement and you want something that just goes, above, goes over all of these generations, and what actually was the key that Aaron helped me make the Rockstar program really impactful it was that one little thing. So get hold of Aaron or I, and we'd be glad to talk to you about that. And the Dutch Owens change for your morning. There you go. So, you've been listening to uh, Beyond Clean with uh, Ace, uh, with Aaron and Dave here. Check out all of our YouTube videos. We've got hundreds of them out there. We've got the podcast channel. We've got the Academy of Cleaning Excellence, where we have all of our tactical programs. And of course, as we've been talking, the Rockstar program. Before I go, I just want to let you know, Aaron, we are voting for the National Rockstar of 2012 or 2019 is over 85,000 votes today. Oh, my gosh. We've oh still got gosh. two months of voting to go. So, folks, if you want to see what the Rockstar program is all about, go to rockstarcustodian.com. If you know some of the 12 finalists, you can vote for them. We're going to have something magical going to happen in 2020. And by the way, 2020 nominations are open right now. Thanks for joining us and being a part of the program today, uh, Aaron. And uh, My pleasure, Dave, as always. We'll see you next month on another version of Beyond Clean with Ace. I look forward to it. Take care.